Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Okay, when do we stop saying Happy New Year? Because I really want to say it to you again, but I... <laughs> I'm very aware that we are knee deep in January. Okay, you know what? Happy New Year. Take it. <laughs> um, am I the only one who's feeling like January is really moving so quickly? Either that or I'm super consumed with a lot of stuff. Okay, yeah, I am consumed with a lot of stuff. So maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. But I just feel like other Januaries in the past are like trekking through a desert with no water and the sun is like sitting on your shoulder and you're broke and <laughs> but this january seems to be moving a lot faster for me which i am not complaining about because my birthday is on the 5th of february and yes you can send gifts my way i will truly appreciate <laughs> imagine i'm already counting let me see how many weeks are left should be about Three. Where's my calendar? Dun, dun. Yeah, three weeks. Three weeks till my birthday. Oh my god. <laughs> so my girlfriends, obviously you know Val because she's been on the podcast, and my other friend Vanessa. We want to go on a girls trip. Val and I, even though we've been best friends for fifteen years, yeah, fifteen years. We've never taken a trip together. Can you imagine? Like, how sad is that? We're really failing at this friendship game. So we're trying to see, like, for my birthday, where we can go and wild out locally, though, in, in Kenya. So if you have any ideas, please just, like, slide into my DMs. But it has to be somewhere where we can party, but also do, like, cultured things during the day. <laughs> so a good mix of both. Just let me know. However, um, I really do hope that your year is starting off well and that, you know, the January blues are not like super <sighs> overwhelming you. I understand that they actually can be more complex than just, oh, I had such a good holiday and now it's back to work. January can come with some truths that are a bit tough to swallow. And then also it can come with its own pressures because you're seeing everybody online, you know, saying back to the grind, back to blah, 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 blah. And you are not really feeling that way. So you can be a bit overwhelmed with that. So I don't know. I'm just on my end and maybe it can help you. I'm doing two things. So one, I'm trying to keep a gratitude list. Sometimes I share them on my Instagram, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just jot them down on my app, which is fabulous. Um, so that kind of like reminds me of the things that have positive energy and that I should focus on. And then the second thing that I am doing is just trying to be kinder to myself. So really being mindful of like the words that I'm using, even in my mind, because sometimes you can be like, look at you, you're just resting here and employed people are busy at work. Now, now, you know, you can really be your worst, critic is not even the word, like your worst bully, to be quite frank, because sometimes we are very mean with ourselves. So I'm trying to just be a bit kinder and use kinder words on myself. It's very tough, but maybe you can do that as well. Start with the gratitude list. That's actually making a bit of a difference for me, and it's easier to do. So it could be you're thankful for something abstract. It could be that you're thankful for something tangible, or you're thankful for some progress you've made. Like I put up today how I'm thankful that this podcast just passed 200,000 streams or plays. And I was just like, what? 
I did that. Yes, I'm thankful that that's happened. Yeah, so you can put different things on your list and I just hope it works out for you. So um, this week, this is going to be a very difficult, <laughs> very difficult episode to record because I have never opened up about this as in-depth as this. And this is not even going like all the way in. It's just... You know how you always have those vulnerable areas in your life? This is definitely one for me. But I was editing the story that's going on 100 African stories in this episode. And the storyteller talks about losing her dad. (sighs) And it reminded me how I never talk about my dad. (laughs) Um, I talk about my late mom all the time because... She was the closest person to me. Look at me. I'm already talking about her now. Like, (laughs) she was a constant in my life for 23 years. And so losing her definitely did affect me. And even currently, um, my grief for like the past two weeks has been very overwhelming. Um... I don't know. I've just felt a bit lost without her. And I've felt like I don't want to talk to the people around me. I want to talk to her. And I know like that's, I don't know if it's like a tantrum, if it's last born-ish, but it is what it is. Um, Just wanted to talk to her. And yeah, so it's it's been crazy. But I have been writing poetry about her sometimes and about grief sometimes and about the emotions that come with grief. So that's when I'm writing, I actually do feel calmer. Um, but yeah, the grief is still perambulating. What was I saying? You see, when I start talking about her, I just can't stop. I, I remember, yes, this is what I want to say. I remember this one comment on my Facebook page. I'd written something about my mom and somebody commented. It was a guy. Obviously, he was having an attitude about it. And he was just like, you never talk about your dad. No, 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 no. I was like, ish. <laughs> Why are you feeling so pressed about this? But it's true. As much as I was triggered by that comment and I wanted to like block the guy and tell him to just like fuck off and mind his own um, family. It's true. I don't talk about my dad. I mean, I'm sure that I loved him. You know, at some point I had love for my dad. I'm not sure that love still exists. So my mom and dad got divorced when I was in class five. That was 1999, around 1999 to 2000. So my mom had just gotten diagnosed with breast cancer. My dad, what I'm sure about is he was physically abusive because that I saw. I remember very clearly and it, it, it shocks me that I remember this clearly because my mind does this thing where if something is traumatic it almost forces me to forget. It's a thing, actually. But this, I I have never forgotten that I was probably maybe eight, nine years old, eight, nine, ten, around there, or seven, eight, nine, ten, those years. And whenever my dad would come home, I would pray that we would have a calm night. And I did it so often that it became normal to me. And it was only like years later and through therapy that I was like, hang on, other kids were praying for (laughs) other things. That that, that was not a normal prayer. 
he definitely had a problem with alcohol. I think in hindsight and with all that I know now, I'm sure my dad was an alcoholic. Yeah, let me put it that way. And I also think there was a mental health condition because he was two different people. I don't know. It's so hard to like psychoanalyze somebody from years ago, but it was conflicting because this guy who was physically abusive to my mom, like would beat my mom and would just become this ball of rage, would also, and I remember it distinctly, like if he came home during the day, he was nice. If he came home at night, he was probably drunk and he was probably going to beat my mom. And so during the day, if he came home, he would be like tickling me. If we went grocery shopping with my dad, like he would be buying me chocolate and na na na. And so if you met him in those spaces, you'd just be like, oh, this is such a nice like father daughter connection. But this guy was like an asshole. Not only to my mom, because if you beat up the mother of your children in front of your children, of course, you know, it's affecting them. So you're being an ass to your kids as well, right? Um, Yeah, so I moved to Botswana to go to school with my aunt when the divorce with my mom and dad was just getting out of hand. My dad would show up at our school and because I was the weakest link, my sisters were just like, please stay away. We want nothing to do with, with you, understandably. They were like more headstrong like that. And I don't know what it is about me. I'll just be like, I would listen to him. So even if he'd pop up in school, chances are he could have gotten me to get into the car with him. Like if he spoke and he was very manipulative. eh? So if he said certain things to me, I would probably have gotten into the car and gone with him instead of waiting for my mom. Right. So yeah, it was just things like that. And I guess for my mom, she was like, okay, this really is not normal for a child to grow up in and she was dealing with so much in terms of like work and 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 health and this random manipulative abusive guy so that's how I ended up going to Botswana but when I came back you know I came back I got into IB at St. Mary's and then I got into a relationship with a guy who by the way now has become an Instagram husband it's the anyway <laughs> Anyway, and then at a point in that relationship, I ended up in hospital. My dad, who I had not spoken to, like, so when I came back, like, there was no interaction between my dad and I. The divorce had happened. I was living with my sisters and my mom. So there was just no interaction. And obviously, you know, like, our laws in Kenya. Plus also my dad, just, there's no atri, oh, visitation, oh, okay, well, the laws now are actually not bad. I take that back. But this was in like 2004, 2005. Yeah, somewhere around there. Anyway, yeah, so I didn't have any interactions with my dad. And so ended up in hospital. My dad, I didn't even know he knew I was in a relationship with this guy, tracked down my boyfriend, summoned him for lunch to find out what exactly was going on with me. At the time, I was like, oh, my dad cares. But if he really did care, I'm pretty sure he could have, like, reached out to my mom. I don't know why he had to do all of those theatrics. Perhaps it's, like, the manipulation angle. Perhaps he was being a coward. I don't know. Anyway, so after him doing that, 
I decided that maybe it's good for me if I reach out to him and try and just mend. Actually, I wasn't trying to mend anything. I had questions for my dad, right? So I got his phone number. I And my mom knew, by the way, I was doing this. So this was not even undercover. It was something that I told her that I, I wanted to do. And reached out to him on phone. This guy did not get back to me. Never got back to me. So that was like um, secondary trauma. Because I was just like, what? You were such a horrible person. I'm here trying to like rationally fix the wrongs you did. Also, I'm your daughter. And you're just going to ignore me. Wow. And then, you know, a few months after that, my dad got shot by thugs and he died. I still remember when we got the call and at the time my elder sister was in university in the states and my mom was in the states for work and was also visiting my sister so it was just me and the sister that i follow at home and i can't remember who called us and we just looked at each other those ones off we didn't know how to react it's strange right like we didn't know how to react and so my mom came back from the states my my elder sister could not come back and my mom, God bless her, was like, okay, you know what? We're going to go for this funeral, blah, blah, blah. I thought we were not going to go. My mom was like, nope, that is your father. You're going to go for the funeral. We went for the funeral. We didn't stay at his, his home. But it was very awkward. I was not sure how to grieve for him or if I should grieve for him. And actually, even to date, I'm not sure if I feel or what I feel. And so maybe that's why I just don't talk about him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, until this episode, I have spoken about it. But that's like scratching the surface. It's, um, yeah, it's weird. But he made it weird. So I feel no guilt or no regrets about anything that either my mom or he did. I still maintain that if a relationship is toxic abusive and all of that whether they're kids or not like you should get out so on a hundred african stories oh my god my tummy is in knots <laughs> um this week we have a story from south sudan ah i really loved this particular girl her story is short but she really went there when it comes to grief fear fear of death a hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. I'm Zareda. I come from South Sudan in like Zandits, Western Equatoria. Yeah, I feel like it's necessary to know this yeah. because there's a stereotype of what we look like and yeah, what we look like. And my phenotype does not prescribe to your ideal South Sudanese. So yeah, when I first joined uni, I was not, uh, I wasn't excited about uni because I had lost my dad. When I joined uni, what I was thinking was, I want to finish so I can grieve, like get over with your education because it was something my family was passionate. They were excited for me, mm -hmm. but I wasn't in the headspace to experience university and to be ex excited about it. So when I joined, there was nothing about uni. Mm -hmm. 
awesome. It was like, let's do this. Then when we're done, we can go figure out what life is going to look like. And it was not easy being in uni and he's not around because financially everything changed. What I was used to, things I never had to think about. I never had to be like, have you paid my fee? It was never a question. And now I, I had to ask it and I had to be gentle because how are you going to be aggressive towards your mother? She's broken and you don't want to look broken in front of your stronghold. But um, I, I'm a believer in God. I, God did. He did it for me. So through the course of my journey, I started to, I started to appreciate uni because my lecturers would give me a perspective of life. Like, there's more to this than, okay, after this, I can grieve. It's like, you could live in the present moment and be more. And they didn't know what happened, mm-hmm. but they just, they walked. They walked around me. They walked with me. And they'd be like, you're smart. You're going to do stuff. You're going to be great. And I was like, I don't want to hear that right now, but it's doing something. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should listen more to this. And my dad was a technocrat and my mom is a politician. Mm-hmm. I just figured my parents work with the government of South Sudan. Cool. I didn't understand the nitty-gritty. But now I was like, oh, technocrats. You know, that was what he was. My mom's a politician. That's so cool. Like, she, she knows stuff about the state and foreign policies. And I was like, awesome. Let's, let's learn. And then I met friends who are authentic and true to themselves. Very unique. They didn't ask of me to be what I am not. Um, he he passed away literally a week before I joined uni. Yeah, yeah, and um, there was a semester. I, um, it was it was heavy. I didn't realize it was heavy on me, mm-hmm. and and my mom was like, I don't think we can do this. I don't think I can I can take you to uni, mm-hmm. and I was like, how, mm-hmm. how? Foreign concept. Please break this down for me. I don't understand what you mean by I can't be in uni. This, this is never an option. This is not what you presented to me. Mm-hmm. So I, my friends kept on gently asking, is everything okay? You're not coming? Are you taking a sun break? It's cool. You know, it happens. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was like, my life is stopping and I can't talk to anyone about it mm-hmm. until one day my two close friends sat me down at the place and they're like, you can talk to us. And that's when I was like, Things, you know, like I lost, I lost him and things are different. Um, when I joined campus, I never actually slept. I would come, attend my class, not talk to, I'd be withdrawn. Mm. I'd go home, cry till like 3 a.m., call my friends, my really, my family friends. And then they'd stay up, they'd stay like, they'd just listen to me cry. Mm. And then I'd wake up the next day. Like, I'd wake up at 6, take a shower, come to uni. I just did that over and over and over because that was all mm. I knew. Like, sleep wasn't a necessity because mm. what was the essence of life mm. if I could be robbed so easily? I, and I don't live with my parents. Mm. So to me, it felt like I loved them and that, and they were... I mean, he was taken from me. Mm. And the people who don't care for the, the people who are presently there, but that was taken from me. And I was trying to understand where I went wrong, rather than death. It's inevitable. 
the turning point for me was when my friend, the one I confided in, took me to church. And when we went to church, I was like, okay, I know the drill. You're going to tell me you're going to be fine. God's going to do something. I'm like, he robbed me. Yeah. <laughs> What's he going to do now? You know, who's going to... Consciously, I'd be like, he's going to take my mom next. And when I went to church, um, this bishop asked me, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And I could have said, I want money to go to uni. That's all I want, mm-hmm. to study. But I told her, peace of mind. If you could give me peace of mind, it doesn't matter if I'm not in uni. Because I have an essence of self. And after that, everything changed. And I also have to say, my family held me. They didn't. They waited for me to break so they could pick me up, but they kept on building me by being present. Not too much, but just the right amount of presence. And my perspective changed. <sighs> Ooh, um, my fear is to fail. It sounds general, but I'm scared of not being able to take care of myself and my mom. I feel like she's already broken inside, even though externally she's brave i know she's broken mm-hmm. and how can i take care of myself if i as in i want to take care of myself now i want to pay for my own education and i want to be something amazing not something the bare minimum cuz yeah you know i want to be i want to be someone and i don't know if after uni jobs are going to be like hi you did so well please come i might have to be the one who's like hi see me please see me i really need you okay how i'm dealing with this now is um i i recently had an accident <laughs> i had an accident and i was confronted with death and i was like okay so i could die i was with my friend we were walking home like it's the home environment it's not like in town and i'm walking home and a guy got off of a bike and like pointed a gun at us and i froze but she saved our lives cuz she her instant reaction was call for help she screamed and then she threw us down and it was so abrupt it was all happening so fast and then cops started coming and and then he he drove off and i, I didn't you don't see that I, i feel like i was blessed to be sheltered but then when you exposed to certain things that do happen it shifts your perspective cuz now i'm scared <laughs> of being anywhere late or anywhere to be honest but i i don't want it to rob what i asked for which is my peace of mind so now i'm i'm doing everything i'm being aggressive i'm doing i'm in your podcast <laughs> i mean i wouldn't have done this so i'm i'm i started selling mandazis with my friend i'm trying to be innovative i'm trying to be something other than be nothing catch our next african stories in the next episode it's interesting that this is the story this week because i literally just had a conversation with my husband yesterday about death because i was telling you guys how my grief is just perambulating so of course i've been thinking and writing poetry around death i realized that i'm not sure i'm scared of my own death I used to be I'm very aware that I used to be very terrified of my own death but I don't think I am anymore and he was like yeah I'm not that he's not scared of his own death but he's scared of the death of a loved one and I get that I'm very petrified I'm pretty sure I've said this in like other podcasts episodes I'm very petrified of losing 
my sisters, my husband, my friends, or people that I have an emotional connection with, I'm scared of it and I know it's coming. I'm scared on two fronts, obviously, that I'll never see them again. Actually, I'm scared on many points. A, that I'll never see them again, that I've not made enough memories with them. And then I'm scared for myself. Like, how will I deal with their absence? Like, can I survive grief over and over again? Or will it, at a point, break me beyond repair? Oh, wow, that's heavy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when she talks about living life to the fullest after she had her accident, well, not an accident, actually, that she, when she had that traumatic incident, I was like, I totally get that. I'm so aware that the only moment that I'm assured of is the now. And I'm just like, I hope I'm living life to the fullest because I could be gone tomorrow. And then what? Yeah. Anyway, um, (laughs) this has been such a heavy episode, but I'm so thankful to you for listening. I'm so thankful that Legally Clueless surpassed 200,000 plays. That is freaking awesome. I also just figured out that this podcast will be turning one year old on the 1st of March. I had no idea when I started, so I had to like chamboa all the back end. Oh God, it was hilarious. And find out when the heck did I post up the first episode? Anyway, so it's March 1st, actually. So, which is my elder sister's birthday. So I'm just like, what was I posting an episode instead of? I'm not sure it's March 1st. I'm actually not. Just give me a chance to, like, give me like a week to confirm the dates. (laughs) And then I'll tell you when we're turning one. I don't think it's March 1st. Anyway, I'll figure it out. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.